and welcome to Cooler Than Homework, a Disney Channel original movie podcast. I'm Nicole Sweeney, and if I was leprechaun rich and bored, my random business tycoon profession of choice would be, um, I would have a sliced bread factory, um, <laughs> because it was on a list of the um, best inventions of the last 200 years. <laughs> uh, I'm Matthew Gatos, and if I was leprechaun rich uh, and be- became a business tycoon, I would bring back see-through technology from the 90s, like those Ooh, see-through phones nice. and video game consoles. Like I would spend all my money bringing that back because who nice. needs charity, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Marines, and if I were Leprechaun Rich, I'm, I'm not going to get really uh, creative here. I would, just, I would be the Leprechaun Rich Willy Wonka. I'd have a chocolate factory Ooh. for sure. Yep. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. A classic. And I'm Sari Riley, and if I was Leprechaun Rich and Bored... I'm going to go even more straightforward. I would have uh, like a a Tupperware factory. I don't know why that's what came to mind. It's so useful. It's so useful to my daily life and everyone needs it. That's it. Amazing. Yes. And today on Cooler Than Homework, we are talking about Luck of the Irish, which like obviously has a tie into leprechauns. Uh, uh, Mario, I hope you mentioned the the random random business tycoon in this movie to make that make sense. I will now. Today's (laughs) uh, one of those uh, note light days. So here we go. I'm going to do this the best I can. So Kyle Johnson, we start the movie and he's having a bad dream that he's at the school at school's heritage night. Um, But when they call his name, it's his turn to present. He's tiny sized and no one can see or hear him. So his dad wakes him up because it's time to go play a basketball game. And Kyle tells his parents about his dream and about heritage night and starts asking about where they're from. But his parents are real cagey about where they come from. And his dad is only like, uh, we're from Cleveland. At the game that night, Kyle gets in a last second lucky shot. So his team wins and is going to the semifinals. And the next day at school, Kyle's the big man on campus. Bonnie Lopez, who is the head of the Heritage Committee, approaches him and asks him what he's going to be doing for Heritage Night. And he avoids this question because he doesn't know anything about his family. And he just kind of repeats that he's from Cleveland. So that night, Kyle asks his parents again where they're from, and they keep avoiding the question. So Kyle decides to do a little research of his own. Unfortunately, his last name is Johnson. So the the Google results are, are not conclusive. Bonnie tries to help him with this research, but she tells him basically it's not enough info. And also he should find out where his mom's side of the family is from, too. So she's like, go ask your parents again where you're from. Instead, Kyle goes through his father's yearbook and paperwork and finds out that Johnson was not always his name, like he changed his name, but he has to quit, abandon, you know, his research because his mom almost catches him. So he's like, okay, bye. And he goes to hang out with his friend, Russell. On a walk, what I have not mentioned at all, actually, now that I get here, that Kyle has a lucky coin (laughs) that he wears all the time. (laughs) Um, And we've seen throughout these scenes that he's like really lucky. So the lucky shot when he plays uh, basketball and he at one point was just guessing all the answers on a test, but he managed to get them all right. On the uh, He's on a walk with his friend Russell and he finds some money on the ground and Russell's like, oh man, this always happens to you. So Kyle has a lucky coin coin and he's very lucky and on this walk they also see a flyer and it has a symbol that Kyle recognizes from his lucky coin and the flyer is for like an Irish festival of sorts so he's like well let's go over there because maybe I'm Irish at the festival he meets an old man there uh, who talks about his shoes a lot and he watches some Irish step dancing and when it's happening he can't help himself from joining in on the dance and when it's over he like falls down like he falls out of the the magic or the trance or whatever and another irishman helps him up and puts a lay on him (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so uh yeah the next day kyle wakes up and he's shorter and he stubs his toe and he goes downstairs and his mom is like got her red hair curly like out and she's got an irish accent all of a sudden um and so he's like this is weird 
At school, his bad luck continues. And then at the basketball game that night, he plays terribly. Uh, so he loses like his favor and popularity at school. Every day he keeps getting a little shorter and his luck keeps getting worse. And then one day he comes downstairs and finds that his mom is a leprechaun. Surprise! <laughs> Kyle is obviously taken aback and he's a little bit worried because he's like getting shorter as well. So he tells them what happened, that he went to this Irish festival and he, he's figured out now that the coin that he has is not is not his. It got stolen. It got replaced with a fake one. So his mom is like, oh no, that's our luck. That's what keeps us from, from changing back into leprechauns. And she assumes that their his her father... Kyle's grandpa took it and Kyle's like my grandpa and she's like surprise <laughs> uh, he will also have a living grandfather um, and also he is a potato chip tycoon there it is. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> he and not only is he a potato chip tycoon, but he recently moved his operations into this very city in which we live. So yeah, they go figure that they have to go confront Grandpa, and because he's got their lucky coin, and he's doing this to I don't know get back at them on purpose, and so they they head off to go confront Grandpa. Sort of on the way, Kyle finds out that the reason that there's like a break in the relationship between his mom and the grandpa is because mom married a non-leprechaun. And so they just kind of ran away, changed their name so their family would never find them. But he here's grandpa with his potato chip factory in the city anyways. And so the so dad and Kyle tried to get in and they're like, you know, we're here, your your grandson is here, and uh, Grandpa refuses to see them. So Kyle ends up seeing that there's a field trip there from his school, and Bonnie's on this field trip for, like, Young Achievers or whatever it is. And so he sneaks into the factory with the Young Achievers. And uh, there's a whole chase scene that ensues because the, the security guard is like, you can't be here. Um, but eventually he runs into his grandpa. And so he's like, you have our lucky coin. And Grandpa's like, no, I don't. And so Kyle tells him where he lost the lucky coin and he's like, uh, what what was that guy's name? Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> the worst of the kinds of leprechauns. He definitely stole it. So they figure that they have to go get their coin back from Seamus. How do they find this man again? Somebody help me out here. They just go to the fairground. Oh, he's still at the fairgrounds? Yeah. Okay. He just never left. <laughs> yeah, he like lives and travels around in an RV filled with leprechaun gold. Yes, yes. So they they go to the fairgrounds where he never left, and in in his RV that is also parked at this fairgrounds, they see that he's like got a like a safe full of leprechaun gold. Seamus sees them though, when he's like gotta make a getaway, and um, there's a whole chase sequence that happens, <laughs> and but all. Also, they, they don't have their luck and Seamus and his lackeys like throw stew at them um, <laughs> and it causes them to go off road and so they they lose Seamus and then also it stops it starts raining so everything is going really badly but I'm very confused as to why they just sit like in the side of the road and like let it rain on them but as they're doing that feeling sorry for themselves Bonnie is like you guys this is America and <laughs> we we make her own luck and mm -hmm. then it stops raining so every the team is back on board they're gonna go find Seamus fix their car and everything's gonna be okay uh, while this is happening because it just stopped raining a rainbow appears and grandpa leprechaun is like a rainbow and he's starts chasing after it so the boys uh take after him as well and at the end of the rainbow it's the rv again with all the gold inside so <laughs> grandpa and kyle break into the rv immediately find the lucky coin but the grandpa is all tempted by the rest of the lucky coins and he wants to steal it so we have to have another speech that's like but this is america <laughs> <laughs> and kyle convinces him not to steal the rest of the gold but not in time because seamus finds them and grabs grandpa by the beard and he it demands to have the lucky coin back. So Kyle remembers that these type of really bad leprechauns love making bets. So he bets him that he can beat him in sports. 
all of them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And if he beats him in sports, all of them, then he can have his lucky coin back and he has to release grandpa. So they are transported to Ireland shrug. Um, and they, they have to play ye old sports. So <laughs> there's, there's hurling, there's throwing a, a, a cartwheel, there is a throwing a spear and then dancing. And Kyle wins some of them, but he loses some of them. So it's a tie. So Kyle's feeling pretty good about that until Seamus, oh, shakes fist. He's like, I said you had to beat me, not tie me. So I will so kyle is like okay one more bet you have i can beat you without my luck and if i beat you without my luck then i get my lucky coin you release my dad and then you have to go to the land of my father and the shores of erie and um Seamus is like, yeah, cool. We'll do that. Let's let's play b- basketball. <laughs> and so they magic into the finale, the basketball game uh, with all these junior high students. And uh, at first, Kyle's not playing great. But then his his grandfather gives him a rousing speech about luck being on the inside. And Kyle's like, yeah, the luck of the Irish is in my heart. And then he's good at basketball and he beats Seamus. So he gets his lucky coin back and Seamus is like, I don't even care because I'm going to Ireland, bitches, and I have gold over there. (laughs) And uh, Kyle's like, I said eerie and my dad's from Cleveland. So Seamus gets uh, banned to Lake Erie. Everybody is not a leprechaun anymore. Bonnie and and Kyle smile at each other. Oh, Heritage Night. And we get to Heritage Night. (laughs) The song. (laughs) And um, Kyle is wearing a Cleveland Brown shirt while he does Irish step dancing, which is great. And then at the end, he's like, you know, I, I really love my Irish heritage, but also we're all American. And they start singing This Land is My Land. (laughs) <laughs> and I I black out for a little bit, but uh-huh. it's the end of the movie, so it's fine. <laughs> the end. So before we unpack all of that, Matt, where what's this cast up to now? Or what have they been up to in the 20 years <laughs> since The Luck of the Irish? Oh boy, 20 years, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Sucks. <Yikes>. <laughs> 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 Don't want to think about that too much. Um, well, uh, first up, we have Ryan Merriman, who plays Kyle Johnson, the star of the film. We've talked about him once before for our Smart House episode, in which he was also the star. But uh, I think, as I mentioned in that episode, you might recognize him from Final Destination 3 or Pretty Little Liars. We've talked about uh, him in the past and his angry milk gif face yes. that people might <laughs> recognize. Thank you, Matt, for preempting um, our inevitable interruption <laughs> to tell the people. <laughs> there is a famous gif of him. We mentioned it last time. We talked about it. Last time we recorded, the the milk face is a, a prevalent thing in the world of Cooler Than Homework. There's a gif of Ryan Merriman angrily drinking milk that is very good. Just like creepy. Like he's just, I mean, because he's like a child predator. He's an adult right. man who preys on teenage right. girls. On that show. In Pretty Little Liars. In Pretty Little Liars. Yes. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I am not slandering Ryan Merriman's actual name. Um, this is the character he played in Pretty Little Liars. It's, it's impressive because if you think about how exactly you can drink milk creepily, like I, I don't know how that works until I saw that scene and then the gif and you're like oh okay that's how you drink milk creepily Uh uh-huh like well done well done yeah if that was in the script as drinks milk creepily he nailed (laughs) Nailed it it. nailed it nailed it (laughs) give him the oscar so good at his job yeah uh but he seems to be again as we mentioned last time living a just normal chill life uh doing lots of like skiing snowboarding riding atvs What's nice is that he is one of those former DCOM actors who is not ashamed of his DCOM past. Just this last St. Patrick's Day, he wished everyone a happy luck of the Irish day on St. Patrick's Day. He's still acting, doing a lot of things. And, you know, I love reading out the titles of these holiday TV movies that actors are doing. (laughs) And he was recently in what might be my favorite one of these. It's called The Christmas Movie Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Excellent. It's, It's apparently about two sisters 
who one loves Christmas movies and the other one hates Christmas movies. And then they start dating some dudes. And at one point they wake up and they're inside of a Christmas movie. Mm, very So meta. it's like a meta. Yeah. yeah. My favorite detail of that movie is that the sister who loves Christmas movies, her name is Eve. So she's like <laughs> Christmas Eve. Wow. <laughs> I'm putting that on uh, like a bonus podcast episode. Like we're watching that. We have to. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, whoever wrote the copy for it, like the plot synopsis on IMDb needs to reword it a little bit because it sounds uh, th- so that the, the, it says two cute sisters live together. One loves Christmas movies and the other calls them predictable. They meet, they fall in love. It snows what? the end. You, oh, missed, no. like, you missed a step. <laughs> yep. So I'm like, wait. The do sisters? The sisters <laughs> fall in love? It doesn't seem like that is the plot right. of this movie, which would be wild if it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I haven't even watched a trailer for it, but it seems like it could be, you know, a fun time. Mm-hmm. The only review I'm looking at on IMDb says, seven is the highest I will go out of 10 stars. <laughs> Good, good. I'm sure my parents have seen and loved this movie. I'm, it was on Up TV. I don't know what is... that is, but if it's a if it's if it's a channel that has these kinds of movies, I'm sure I my think parents it's all have it has. It. I'm the right. Yeah, I think it's called Up TV because it's an uplifting oh, stuff yeah. only. There's oh, no way nice. my parents don't pay for that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no I have definitely uh, been visiting my parents and seen them watching this channel in the past. So. <laughs> This is a this is one of those moms turn it on and don't turn it off for 24 hours uh-huh. type of channel. Uh-huh. Why would I need to change the channel? <laughs> but yeah, that's what Ryan Merriman's up to these days. He's doing that movie that we're all very excited to watch at some point. <laughs> um, Henry Gibson plays Riley O'Reilly, the grandfather in this film. You might recognize him from the Blues Brothers or the Burbs or Magnolia or uh, his biggest role post Luck of the Irish was the priest in Wedding Crashers. He passed away in 2009. But fun fact, uh, back in the 70s, he was the voice of Wilbur the Pig in Charlotte's Web. Oh, yeah. A very fun fact. Next, we have Alexis Lopez, who plays Bonnie Lopez in this movie. Before this, she was only in like an episode of Even Stevens and an episode of Seventh Heaven. And after this, she was only in one episode of That's So Raven and then stopped acting. But she went on to do some modeling and is now working in PR and seems to be the vice president at a PR company for luxury real estate. Oh, wow. Yeah. She seems to be living a great life. She seems like (laughs) she's probably doing pretty well financially and also like doing her modeling on the side. Mm -hmm. Like, good job, Alexis. (laughs) We have Paul Kiernan, who plays Bob Johnson slash Robert Smith, who is the dad. Um, Don't have a ton to say about him. Couldn't find out much other than he's basically continued acting in things like Daddy Daycare and a bunch of other movies. And the mom is Merida Garrity. She plays Kate O'Reilly slash Johnson slash Kate Smith. They're good (laughs) undercover names that they got going on. Can't be bothered to change their first names, just their last name uh-huh. to other generic yeah. last name. Yeah, that's the thing. Smith is already so generic. Like, why? <laughs> well, and I didn't really, like, follow that part of the plot line of, like, okay, but why did you have to change your names? Like, it seems like he still found you pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> Some people might recognize her. Sari might after I say this. Uh, she played Nancy Taylor in Groundhog Day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she is she is the woman in Groundhog Day who uh, Phil pretends to know from school after he learns all about her one of the days and is like, oh, where'd you go to high school? What class did you take? And the next day he's like, oh, yeah, I sat behind you in this class, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of her more like famous recognizable roles. But after acting in Luck of the Irish, she went on to be in things like Charmed and Numbers and CSI, but nothing since 2009. When you started that sentence, like, Sarah is going to know after I said this, I, I, I am embarrassed that I didn't immediately guess because i was like what the fuck is he gonna say like what, <laughs> what could day. he possibly <laughs> say that he's confident there is gonna know groundhog day of course groundhog yeah. groundhog yeah. Day. <laughs> movie that i've seen so many times <laughs> yeah the only things i'm ever confident that i can say to sari that 
she will for sure know is a movie that she has seen at least eight times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I was trying to think was like, she was a voice in Pokemon. (laughs) Uh, And I was like trying to picture really fast of like, was there an Irish character? (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we have Glendon Chapman who played Russell, the best friend in this film. He acted in a few things after Luck of the Irish, but nothing really of note. Uh, He now seems to own a smoothie company, and there was a lot of words describing things that the smoothie company sells, and I didn't really understand what of them was in the smoothies and what of them (laughs) was not in the smoothies, because it says they have high-quality Irish sea moss gel and organic smoothies and sea moss soap. So it seems like Irish sea moss gel is the main product, and then they put that into soap and smoothies. So okay, I I don't know. Wait, how is he selling? I was gonna say, is this like another restaurant we have to go to? Um, it but seems one, online. Okay, okay, good because not interested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a Grandy Moss G R A N D Y M O S S is the name of the company, and they have three things on their website. It's a twelve ounce peach and Papa Moss smoothie. <laughs> oh, Listen, no. if they had an actual restaurant of some sort, we would add it to the list. Like we would, we would have no choice but to have the sea moss smoothie, smoothies. So I'm really well, glad. It, I'm really <laughs> glad that it's an online only. Arrangement. <laughs> well, if we buy enough of the smoothies no, online, it absolutely can support not. Them and they can open up a physical location. <laughs> Do not buy the Seamoss smoothie. <laughs> tell whether it's food or a facial thing. Well, I can uh, tell you, Sari, Seamoss has 92 minerals, helps keep a healthy thyroid. Seamoss is also a prebiotic, oh, nice. which is a type of dietary fiber that's essentially fertilizer for probiotics. Nice. Our Seamoss gel is great for effective digestion. Seamoss keeps your metal metabolism running well. CMOS helps to maintain a healthy weight. CMOS supports healthy hair, skin, and nail growth. You can add our CMOS gel to foods like your morning smoothie. It doesn't have much flavor. It ends with, it doesn't have much flavor. (laughs) And also, the reason I wasn't breathing in there is because there's very little punctuation in that description on their about page. There's a lot of random capitalization, but little punctuation. You know what, though? It sold me. It sold me. I I w- <laughs> I love a healthy metabolism and uh, nail growth. So yeah, and very little flavor. Very my favorite thing. <laughs> and last but certainly not least is Timothy Omanson as Seamus McTiernan, the evil leprechaun man slash dancer extraordinaire. <laughs> People might recognize him from Psych. Uh, or the musical show Gallivant, or Supernatural. That's where I know him. Okay, I was like, this man looks familiar, but I can't tell if he has a distinctive face. I watched Gallivant. It was like my mm. background show for a while. Yeah, He's the king, right? Yes. yes. He is a main yes. character in Gallivant. I've only seen a little bit of that show. King Richard. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a goof. Ah. Ah, Timothy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Timothy's a great man. I, I like Timothy a lot. He is great in psych. He is great in everything. Uh, in 2017, he suffered a major stroke, uh, and he had to relearn how to walk, and like there was fear that he maybe couldn't do any more acting anymore. But he recently started taking on more roles, and in the last few years, he's been in This Is Us and Psych. They did some spinoff movies, and he acted in both of those, and they both incorporated uh, his stroke into his character. So he plays like uh, a guy who is recovering from a stroke in This Is Us and also in Psych. They added that to the character. So he is back acting, uh, which seems to be his just his favorite thing based on everything I've seen of him online Aww. is that just acting is his favorite thing. So, uh, yeah, it's very nice that he gets to do that still. I love that for him. Yeah. And yes, I need to watch Gallivant because it seems very fun and charming. If you like Disney stuff, which I know you do, like all the songs are are just like funny and weird and it pokes fun at uh, like traditional prince saves princess narratives. And it has like a lot of random cameos that are quite good, like Weird Al is in an episode. Uh <laughs> And uh, Luke Youngblood, who plays Lee Jordan in Harry Potter, but like magnitude on community and is just like, yeah, pop, pop. He's in it as like a main character. It's it's good. It's like quite charming. Oh, and it seems the music and lyrics are by Alan Menken, who did like the songs for The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Uh Pocahontas. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right. Everyone go watch Gallivant, I guess. (laughs) 
All right. Luck of the Irish nostalgia check. Did you watch this before watching it for this podcast? Every year on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> pretty much. Yes. Yes, I did. Same. This is the, I mean, I'm, I'm spoilers for the upcoming episodes, but this is the last in a long run that I actually watched. So, Luck of the Irish, my last, like, yes, I watched it all the time. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I also have seen this movie so, so many times. I feel like what I remembered of this movie is, like, your plot synopsis. And then there's just a lot of, like, stuff in between that I was like, huh. Um, so this, this was like an interesting one for my nostalgia because I yes. feel like, like it, this was, this one felt different <laughs> now <laughs> as an adult. Uh, but I have seen this movie so many times. I felt like I knew this movie inside and out. I, d- there were some things that I, I didn't remember, but we'll talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> and I have never seen it. As you can tell from my plot guess last last time, <laughs> oh man, I got leprechauns, but uh, nothing else. Couldn't couldn't have predicted this roller coaster of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you like this movie, Matt? You every year, like, still now every year on St. Patrick's Day. Like, when was the last St. Patrick's Day that you watched this movie? I would say. If not last year, the year before. Okay. Wow. Yeah, because I think last year at this point we would have had Disney Plus, so I think I would have had such easy access to it that I probably put it on St. Patrick's Day last year. And yeah, it's it's one of those where there's not a lot of St. Patrick's Day media out there in the world, so it's uh, yeah, it's for me it's like one of those I don't sit down and pay a lot of attention to it every year when I put it on, but it's usually at least on in the background. Um, I would say maybe every other St. Patrick's Day. I'm not super devoted to making sure I I can't miss it. I didn't watch it this year. This is incredible. Okay, by comparison, I this is one of my least favorite decoms that we've watched so far. I don't know why. I I think I can articulate why when we get into the discussion of it. But it, I I think I made a mistake somewhere down the road and put the horse movies. They're now middling in my list. But this this movie, I. I just didn't have fun, and it was very sad that I didn't have fun. I just kept being annoyed at decisions the characters made and at, like, situational things of the of the plot that fe- felt like they could be resolved much easier, and I was not overwhelmed with whimsy at, like, the transporting <laughs> to Ireland or, like, the gold plot. It just wasn't for me. The the America message. The mm-hmm. by the time mm-hmm. they started singing this land at the end, I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm so done with this movie. Uh, may I turn it off? Yeah, I, I. So there are portions of this that I'm like, okay, I I see why I like this as a child, and mm-hmm. also, um, it's hard for me to rank. Uh, by comparison, all of the horse movies are at the bottom of my list. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, if, if you're a can of worms or a horse movie, like you're down at the bottom. Um, so this is like around this middle portion that I'm not sure. Like it would take a lot for me to decide, would I rather watch this or Quince or Phantom of the Megapol- Uh Like, I don't know. They're all on the same level for me. But the thing that really got me it's not that I'm like, this is the worst movie we've ever seen, but it was all the messaging stuff that yes. I, I can't. I it, Right now in 2021, in this economy, like I, I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So that's why it's like towards the, the end of my list as well. It's it's very near the middle of my list. I think it's a little bit higher than it is on yours, but like it like solidly middling and it's mostly just a lot of me like doing the like this or this, this or this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like sort of pulling it up. It is as high up on my list as it is solely because the nostalgia is strong enough. Like if mm-hmm. I if I were like Sari and had watched this movie for the first time last night, the I would have very different feelings. Like I, I think it would be a lot lower. That being said, yes, all of the like aggressive America messaging was really something, and I didn't remember that being so much of a thing. And I just <laughs> the only way that you can tell a like 
super pro-America, like, immigrant story like this is they're fucking Irish. Like, I just, I yes. don't know. <laughs> I just, it's, there, there's, uh, there's even the bit, too, in the, <laughs> when they're sitting in the car in the rain complaining, and there's this fucking white family complaining about how unlucky they are, and the kids' two non-white friends are, like, <laughs> telling them to cheer up, or, like, giving them a pep talk, and... They talk about the Irish when they came over and they did all the jobs nobody wanted to do. <laughs> like, I just... Oh! Uh, yeah. Okay, I don't even know if I want to, like, keep talking about this or talk about, like, the stuff I liked. But the fact that, you know, we we have this setup where we've seen it time and time again in the comms where you have, like, the white kid main characters and their people of color best friends. It hit different <laughs> in this in this particular movie because of, like, the storyline and the fact that it was, like, this constant messaging of, like, I don't know, we, the 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 Irish family being like, we, we had to hide because of how we were treated. And, like, you're telling this to your black friend? Like, sir... I am uncomfortable watching this. Uh, so there's like no amount of, of like the, the funny stuff or like the step dancing or like hurling chariot wheels that was like, that made up for the fact that in the next scene we would get like a pro America message. Um, uh, you know, not, no thank you. Yeah, just using, like, the Irish oppression narrative as the central thing and using, like, a fictional a, a fictional species of leprechaun as the, the mixed marriage example, mm. as, like, the product of a mixed marriage where my white family was kind of shitty to my mom uh, for being Asian. It was like, this feels very weird in that, like, the... You're both white and and one of you is Irish, one of you is a leprechaun, and like that that is being portrayed as the thing that is driving the family apart or like caused all this drama with heritage. Uh it's like yeah, yeah. No. There there are so <laughs> many other like mixed kid stories that you could tell that would be more nuanced and more complicated. Like in addition to the fact that Kyle, the lucky kid who is suddenly unlucky, is being portrayed as like this <laughs> the struggle over his heritage when his black and brown friends are not being given the same same level of nuance. Just ooh, not not a good first experience with this movie for me. Yeah, and this is the stuff where for me, I think it because I have watched this so many times over the years that this is the stuff that I fully acknowledge is bad, is not good about this film. But because I've watched it so many times, that's the stuff I'm like, oh, yeah, here's the bad part. Here's the not great part. <laughs> yeah. That, like, it, the nostalgia on this, because I've seen it so many times and it's so, like, lives in my memory, sort of, like, bumps it higher up on the list for me. Not because I think it is a better movie, like, more well-made than things like Motocross or the 13th Year or Quince, but because I'm looking at it as, like, what would I rather watch? And for me, I'm like, okay, would I rather watch the 13th Year, which I've seen once and I liked – or would I rather watch this movie that I know for sure I usually have a pretty good time with when I watch it every year? And so for me, it's a little bit like, yeah, like I roll my eyes at a lot of it as I'm watching it. And the last like 20 minutes doesn't really need to exist. But something about the nostalgia really pushes this one high up the list. It's nowhere near as good as like that top five sort of color of friendship brink smart house section of the list but it uh yeah for me it's one of those that i watched so much as a kid that it's hard to not have that nostalgia overpower a lot of that so i can totally see if watching this for the first time now putting it lower on the list that makes total sense to me it is sort of like the classic fantasy thing of like <laughs> inventing racism for white people <laughs> like mm. i just why yeah. though <laughs> it, it is and it, it's you know i there's nostalgia there for me, too. Like, I remember watching so much of this, but it was wild to me because it's exactly what Nicole described as a, like, oh, the parts I forgot were all of the America stuff. Like, I just, <laughs> I did not recall a single moment of that. Like, I, I, 
I, I don't know. It was so weird that every time I was like, what? It was like a part of the movie <laughs> that my brain had chosen to completely just delete. Uh-huh. Um, and the the uh, the underlying messaging here, too, like, right. OK, he loses his luck and his luck is what has brought him all this way. And then you have his black and brown friends, right, that they're the whole time they're like, trying really hard and and trying to like thinking about scholarships and being good at science and being good at, at sports and trying to get ahead and then they're the ones who have to be like oh without your luck you just have to try very hard and he's like okay and he still gets ahead and then gets his luck back uh-huh. <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean sure <laughs> like in comparison he talks about he now has bad luck but really it's just he lost his always good luck so they, he did not have to try at anything previously he was just automatically good at everything so now that he has to try that's like the worst situation we can imagine for this young boy is like oh my god he has to learn how to try and there's a bit that is like almost getting it on the messaging there's like one one line where she's like you would be a much better person if everything hadn't come so easy to you um yes it's it is the the best messaging in the whole movie uh but then like it's not followed up on meaningfully like i just it's just it's just sort of tossed out there um and then (laughs) bonnie loops around after he does bad during the basketball game and apologizes to him she's like oh no No, sorry right sorry i called out your privilege (laughs) hope that didn't screw you up it's like no (laughs) don't do that i feel like we've had this in a handful of decoms where We've talked about this deeper message that's just right there under the surface and that they almost dig into and then it doesn't go anywhere. Or they like one of the friends on the side is like, hey, what about this thing? And everyone's like, yeah, you're right. But we're never going to talk about that again. And I think it to me, that feels like one of those of like a studio or a producer saying like, oh, let's like tamp that down a little bit because like. We have things, we have experiences like The Color of Friendship, which is always, I think, going to live number one on our list of best decoms, where they went for it. They let the message be the movie. And there is, in so many of these, you see the glimmer of a message where it's coming through or it's about to come through. And it feels like they're like, eh, let's focus more on the leprechauns and the basketball. Mm-hmm. The, I imagine similarly where you have that scene where they're just getting rained on for whatever reason (laughs) and they're like okay bonnie's gonna give a speech a rousing speech about how when the irish first got here and did the jobs that got paid little like i can imagine somebody being like uh there's a black kid in the car (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then be like oh okay give him a line about how at least they got paid and like we did it we covered it and it's like did you did you did you I, I don't know. Yeah, that feels like people should have maybe reacted to what he yeah. said or had, a, had like a change in the conversation. But it was like and it was like no one reacted to what he said. And they just kept talking about the Irish again. Yeah. Yeah. And even I, I don't want to like keep harping on this, but the, like this is definitely the root of why I, I had such a horrible time with this movie. Uh, it, like all the attention that was paid to kyle's heritage and like bonnie helping him figure out like google johnson but like like the fact that they had right there with with kyle his two best friends like contrasting different immigrants to america stories that could have been very i think poignant where it's like Mm -hmm. oh well it's weird that my parents aren't telling me where we came to America because I know we immigrated from Europe probably because we're white uh, or like uh-huh. I'm Irish. Whereas his friend could say like, I don't know because my family was brought on slave ships and just like letting that sink in. But instead it was like, like in addition to using the, like the creating the white oppression and like the white racism, it, it like blocked out any opportunity to talk about like the experience of a Latinx immigrant or a black immigrant or like other stories that feel more interesting and like act- actually filled with hardship in, in a way that this fictionalized leprechaun story was had like grains of truth in it, but was largely just imagined based on like the mythology of a leprechaun and it could have been so easy like 
that could have been slotted in very easily and they could have made him reckon with the fact that like, yes, what your family went through 100 years ago is important. We're not trying to downplay that. But our families are still going through this on a day-to-day basis facing discrimination. Please acknowledge that your friends are facing discrimination. It's the kind of thing where it feels like they thought that they were doing something by like making his his friends not be white, but like in fact they made it worse. Some of those conversations um, <laughs> would have played a little differently, but like they just were so much worse. Uh, they were bad and then they were made worse by the fact that he is whining about this shit to them. Yes. And without ever really recognizing either until the end where grandpa steps in to fix all of uh, Bonnie or Bonnie's problems or whatnot. But, you know, he's he's like, oh, man, like I I have such bad luck, sir. You are the heir to a potato chip fortune. (laughs) I I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about your bad luck, um, you know, because it it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, I I think also, you know, I joked about like in this economy, but uh, like truly, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about how with a lot of these movies, because they end up being, you know, very middling sort of nothing. A lot of what affects us is like how your day is going and what were you doing before and after. Um, And so like in, in this present news cycle where we're just inundating it with like you know things about uh, police brutality and you know over the last you know however many years or, or whatever we're, we're hearing a lot about like native land and the way that we treat like indigenous peoples and uh you know the pipelines and all of this like at, sitting here and watching this movie it truly truly was a moment of i cannot in this economy <laughs> watch this um and you know the whole like this land is your land thing like mm, it is this is not the moment it is not the moment for this movie so like i i mean is it ever i don't know um but particularly now i just wasn't in the mood for what this was trying to sell me i'm kind of surprised like i knew this was a 2001 movie but i'm like kind of surprised that it came out pre 9-11 because of the aggressive patriotism that was happening in media post 9-11 that this feels like it could have been something that came out in like 2002 post 9-11 where they were just like America is the most important thing in the world let's talk about it (laughs) and yeah so I'm sure it still resonated later on throughout with people but that uh, it's very bizarre that moment at the end where they're just like all right, everyone got that song queued up that no one talked about that we were going to (laughs) sing just like the dance was his thing who said they could do a song as well yeah I mean it it turns out that uh, America, fuck yeah, is an evergreen thing in American media. <laughs> but but you're you're right that it it like to think about the fact that they made this movie in two thousand like pre nine eleven. What awaits us? What what things has oh. has my memory suppressed that yeah. awaits us in two thousand two? So that's a fun thing to look forward to. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I, I'm trying. I'm thinking forward more. There, there, We do get some light military motifs. Yeah. Yes. I, okay. The, I, I remember yes, that. The light, yeah. light military motifs. But that one, I am going to I like I am confident that I will still love it because I am 100 percent. I the Internet has convinced me that that movie is actually gay. Disney just won't Disney won't allow it, but it's gay, yeah. and I know it's gay, and so I'm gonna have a great time knowing in my heart the truth that Disney won't admit that that is a gay movie. <laughs> okay, wait. Similarly, back when we started this podcast and we were announcing we're gonna watch all of the decoms, I, I I did not save this at all. So you know, if you're listening and it was you, somebody like tweeted at us and was like, "Oh, when you guys get to this movie, and it was the luck of the Irish." Like I, I don't remember the scene, and can you believe it was in there? And it was a scene where the where the kid says, "Well, at least we got paid," and I think we all watched it, and we were like, "Damn, go Disney!" Oh snap! Um, because we just had those five seconds. I would like to reply now to whoever it was that tweeted that. It was not the oh snap moment that we thought it was. Um, <laughs> it was in fact terrible, and uh, I want to take my uh, snaps and my cookies away from disney because they did nothing (laughs) oh fun fact uh that i learned a couple fun facts that i learned while 
researching this film. One, the trivia said this film is actually a favorite of the children of director Zack Snyder. <laughs> so, wow, <laughs> I'm not sure oh, how that information, oh my gosh, like got to the internet, uh-huh. but I guess release the Snyder cut of Luck of the Irish is what I'm asking for. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I die. Incredible. <laughs> Zach Atlas shrugged Snyder's kids. Love the, <laughs> love the white oppression movie. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> and I found it interesting that this movie was also apparently remade for Disney Channel India, uh, where it's called Luck Luck Kibot. And there it's sort of, I, it seems like it ties into the Aladdin story that they like, the family might have like a genie history instead of a leprechaun history. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it seemed uh, interesting. I couldn't, I didn't, there wasn't a lot of information out there to research about it, but uh, just the fact that they decided to remake it and make some changes uh, was interesting. They were like, this is the one, <laughs> this is, the one. <laughs> this is yeah. the one that we need to localize. <laughs> Our discussion topic this episode, inspired by Heritage Day, is how important was your family's heritage when you were growing up? Was that a big deal to you? I could start because uh, I, I feel like my upbringing was, I think part of why I didn't enjoy this movie was also because of like the shadiness around, uh, like the meaninglessness of the shadiness behind his heritage of like his parents not expressing it, where like it was something growing up as like a biracial kid it was very obvious that i was of mixed heritage to me and to like my brother and so we talked about it very openly and honestly of like oh yes i am half asian my mom is malaysian chinese i am half white i'm like a mixture of irish and german and polish and i don't know generic european countries and like that was it i think maybe we had a school project around second grade where we had to bring in heritage stuff and I remember feeling like it was kind of cool of like here look I can count to 10 in Mandarin and also I eat German sausages and like my dad cooked this for the class I guess I remember my heritage growing up being a fairly present topic where like it it would keep coming up like uh I remember very distinctly my mom dropping me off at a friend's house to study in high school, and they they asked me if I was adopted, and I was like, no, that's my mom. Uh, <laughs> she gave birth to me. So like being being biracial, I I couldn't really avoid the discussion of heritage of just like yes, I look white. Yes, that is my biological mom. That's it. Here's my mixture. I've always been aware of it, and I haven't been curious enough to do like a 23 and me or anything. I don't think it would tell me anything that my family hasn't already told me. Um, so I haven't taken the plunge to do that, but maybe someday. Yeah, I took the 23 and me stuff and it pretty much just reaffirmed what my family had always kind of said. Uh, heritage was not a super important thing as a kid to my family or me. Uh and it was that sort of generic whiteness that we were sort of like, I don't know, we're American, we're probably Irish, we're probably German, we're probably whatever. But we never really leaned into any of it. There was never like a family meal that was passed down through the years from our Irish ancestors. Because on my mom's side of the family, at least, they've been here for a while. Like they've been in America for a few generations so there's not a like a recent immigrant story or anything like that and on my dad's side he doesn't know much about his family other than there's some polish people who came from poland hundreds of years ago <laughs> so there was this whole thing where growing up it was just kind of like the yeah i don't know we're we're, we're irish we're whatever and then i took the 23 and me and it was like yeah you're half british irish and you're half french german so you get you get all the European. <laughs> so it's that thing where I it was not really surprising. It's still something I am curious about now as I get older and like think about potentially having a kid of my own in the future who might ask me these questions of like, ah, yeah, you know, I should probably ask my parents these questions more than I currently do just to see if they know more than they shared with me as a kid. Because, uh, yeah, I don't. There's like whole 
limbs of my family tree where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I know that person's first name. I have zero idea anything about them or where they could have come from. So it it's one of those things that uh, every time I log into my 23andMe, I start falling down that rabbit hole of like, oh, yeah, my great great grandmother on this side was born in England and there's a church with the same last name as she had. I wonder if we're whatever. And I suddenly am like two hours into researching things and I'm like, clearly I do care about this, <laughs> but I don't. I haven't sat and like done the actual like I haven't paid for anything like Ancestry.com or any of those to really get deep into it. But there is a curiosity that still is in there. Yeah, my answer is fairly similar in that like, I I, I don't know, man, I'm just really white. And so uh, (laughs) my family heritage is it's like European. I mean, I did the 23andMe also not expecting any surprises. I was just sort of like curious i was actually i i don't know equally as curious about what kind of health problems 23 and me could tell me i had <laughs> uh, yeah fortunately nothing they had no had no information for me on that front um but the, uh, yeah like my map is just europe like i'm, I'm that, that's it that's like <laughs> yeah uh none of this was surprising and it's also it like it tracks completely with you know like what i knew from my family and that like it's not just europe but it's like like 23 and me sort of subdivides and so it's like aggressively northwestern european growing up it was also just like not a huge thing my dad's side of the family is pretty irish and like when we spent time with them it seemed it seemed like they were more invested in their irishness than my dad has ever appeared to be uh and then for like heritagey stuff or what like when we had to do you know whatever stuff like this or like you would bring in things like that were reflective of your heritage like my dad was never participating in that that was always my mom helping me with it uh and so like for her her it's it is definitely much more just like generically broadly european um and so uh the thing that she zeroed in on and like the most the most recent relative that she knows like came here uh was swiss so no lie i brought in fucking toblerone like that was my like whenever we had uh, a thing like this i was like well this is what we do this is like what i have and like i i don't know uh and actually like when i did my 23 and me that like the french and german is is only seven percent so it's like not i don't know that it was just that was like the one that my mom knew and so whatever um that's like the polish stuff for me like when growing up my dad was always like we are polish your great grandfather is polish da, da, da. and i was like oh he must be from poland it's like no my grandfather was born in chicago yeah. in the early t- 1900s <laughs> he had a last name that ended in ski so he sounded really polish but it's that same thing we're going to school i would take in like kolachkis and all these like polish like little desserts and stuff and then poland doesn't even show up on my 23 and me <laughs> And I'm like, where, where are we from? Because it's like everywhere in Europe except for Poland, apparently, is where I'm actually from. Uh, hello. Okay. So I can do a whole podcast episode about this. Um, so I am a first-generation American. My parents are both Dominican. Uh, so I grew up in South Florida in a relatively, like, uh, diverse and, like, populous area. But even so, like, I can think back to key times where I, I was realizing things about my growing up and my identity. So things like, I think, being in, in the second or third grade and a, a substitute teacher was the first time that I told somebody that I was Dominican and they understood where that was. And he was like, mm. oh, I've actually been to the Dominican Republic. They have great resorts there. Have you ever been? And I was kind of like, uh, like what? No, I don't. <laughs> what, what did I know as a second grader about resorts? Right. Um, so like visiting the Dominican Republic for the first time as a kid and thinking that I was sitting in like a princess bed and then like later realizing it was a mosquito net because, <laughs> you know, mm. just you needed them and having the lights go out and like being, seeing the, the barrio, the neighborhood where my father grew up. And so all of those things that are like pieces of me, like I always knew I was Dominican. We had Dominican flags everywhere because my father is like proud Dominican and being like that sort of like pride, especially as an immigrant was like a big thing. Funnily enough, I've always been like a writer and creative writer or whatnot, but like part of the identity work that I did like in middle school was that a lot of my creative writing was around realizing the things that were in my house that 
were not quote unquote normal that I just grew up with and I didn't know. So I had a whole series in middle school that I wrote called Grandpa Was a Sugar Daddy. And like there were short (laughs) stories or like essays of like things that I realized came like Grandpa Was a Sugar Daddy and we have a framed photo of Sammy Sosa. And so like talking about like different things that like were in my house that I was realizing, oh, this is like a, a Dominican thing. Like and I didn't know until I started growing up and like meeting other people and then being like, what? And I'm like, what? Not everybody does that. And this like continued into well into like my college years. I remember we were visiting college friends and we it was a group. Oh, my God. Rich, <laughs> Rich Camelucci, who has been on our our podcast before. Like I was visiting him and some friends and we went into their apartment. And we're like, this is gross. We're cleaning up here. So we like helped clean up and I was like washing dishes and I was stowing things away and i ended up putting like a bunch of extra shit that they had in the oven caribbean people do this all the time we just stash stuff in the it's like additional storage and i never thought anything about this until a week later after we left like one of the roommates texted me and was like i preheated the oven to like make something and you put our plastic stuff in there and i was like Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like I had like and he was like, "Why would you put it in there?" I'm like, "It's storage. It's where it goes." Like I don't know. Like <laughs> Um, so my entire life has been like, "Ma'am, this is very Dominican and you just don't know until somebody points it out to you." So, heritage was huge. Uh, you know, I, there and there's just been like a lot of identity work that I've had to do in my later life because I've always just been Dominican. Um, but there were so many things that I was like, you know, when you have to like choose like an identity box, right? Or a race box, like it's like white, black, indigenous, and like none of that I thought like ever fit for me. And so my parents were very just all like before even like Hispanic or Latino became a box, which it's like a whole thing anyways now. Um, but all of that was like so confusing for me as a child. And then it wasn't until like I got as an adult that I started doing some of this identity work. And then I was like, oh, like Dominicans are basically European black and indigenous. Like that's the mixture that we are. It's, it's very, it goes very much more in depth because of like the weird history that the Dominican Republic has and because colonization and all of that. Um, and some of that like internalized racism or whatnot. But, um, and also a lot of this, like when we had to do like family trees and I had to go ask my parents, like, okay, here's our grandparents who were their parents. And they're like, ah, you know, we don't really have medical records or birth certificates. So we just have family stories and we don't know anything beyond sort of like great grandparent level. So that was always very confusing to me when people could be like, oh, my my family in the civil war. And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I have none of that information. All of that to say that I did do like an ancestry.com thing. I am 32% Spanish, 15% Portuguese, uh 15% from like West Africa where the slave trade happened, 10% from Senegal and then 6% uh indigenous from the Hispaniola Islands, so Haiti and Dominican Republic. So those are the Taino people that are basically wiped out in the Dominican Republic. So and then after that, like I have so much that is like in the 4, 3, 2 and 1% range. So Ireland, Mali, Italy, Nigeria, like just a bunch of stuff that is like 1%. And I'm like, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's me. <laughs> I feel I repressed it or something, but like the stress when it comes to checking the what race are you box yes. uh, is extremely real, uh, particularly when it's like choose a specifically to my experience when it says choose one uh, and then I'm staring at it and I'm like but I'm half Uh, so do do I click do I like check the white box or do I check like the the lump Asian box or do I just check other and a lot of times when I was growing up I was like I guess I'll check other yes and now they've started to include like two or more races as an option but the start of my many like identity introspection crises uh, and and like thought about what my heritage is and who I am came from having to check boxes on a form. Yes, absolutely. And I I, I remember like my my parents really being mad at this too because they they would want to they wouldn't want to check anything other than 
other, but they didn't want to check other either. They'd be like, oh, we're not other. Um, and even now, like if filling out job applications all the time, it's like, you know, I can either do, even if it allows me to check multiple, like white and black, or I can do multiple races, but then it's usually like, all of these things, not Hispanic or Latino. Mm-hmm. So I, then I was like, okay, well, I have to do like Hispanic or Latino, but I'm also like, that's not the end of the story. So the box checking is to this day, a thing that every time that I see it, I'm like, I want to check your freaking boxes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> and now it is time to share the lessons that we learned. <laughs> From Luck of the Irish. I uh, cannot wait to hear your answers <laughs> to this one. I'm just going to go ahead and do what I normally do and steal a quote from the movie. And the lesson I learned is that in America, we don't believe in kings. We believe in baseball. <laughs> I learned that you should not make growing shorter a plot point ever in a movie because you're not going to stick to it. It's it's not going to work. I learned that uh, Irish people manifest despair by playing the flute. Um, <laughs> and since I am a quarter Irish, I guess I should, um, I guess I should set about learning to, to play the flute so that I too yeah, can, manifest, need flutes, Nicole. <laughs> can <Yeah>. manifest despair. <laughs> uh, I learned that a little known power that leprechauns have is breaking into safes. <laughs> <laughs> And now it is time for Sarah to guess the plot of our next movie. Next time on Cooler Than Homework, we are watching Hounded. I'm I am heading into this with the bias that my life has brought me, which is one, I love beagles. And two, <laughs> we tried to train our beagle to do a like tracking competition, like an American Kennel Club track. She was horrible at it. She just ran to the food. But that's like uh, a, a type of competition. So there's like agility competitions. And those are the way the dogs like jump through hoops and stuff like that. She was not athletic, so she couldn't do that. But then tracking is just like your dog follows their nose. And it. I think it's supposed to be a recreation of old hunts. So this is what I'm going all in on. There is a family with a boy named Robbie, and they have a prized beagle, and they are training this beagle for these tracking competitions. It's, so it's like a sports movie, and we get to see a lot of like cute dogs uh, sniffing around on the ground and like following lures, but their dog is too good at these competitions, so a rival family and their boy named Steven <laughs> sneaks in to Robbie's house or like fakes a friendship with Robbie and then steals their dog hence the name Hounded both a movie about hounds doing what they do best which is sniff and about Robbie and his parents but realistically because it's a decom mostly the kid trying to track down his missing hound from this mean neighbor kid or mean mean like semi competitive kid that has stolen it um and to wrap it up or throw me completely (laughs) off course could i have the tagline the tagline for hounded is taking care of this dog is no walk in the park Okay, yeah, I'm on. I I have it nailed down. <laughs> <laughs> so confident. I love yeah, it. taking care of this dog. Maybe maybe this this championship beagle is also a little rascally, like gets out things like that. And so there's probably part of the plot where Robbie's just like, oh no, he got out again. Better go visit his favorite spots, like the chicken man down the street, or like the like. My dog, for example, would always run up the street to a Great Dane's house because they would always give her, like, pieces of soft food and meat and and fatten her up. She would be so round after going to this Great Dane's house. But, like, that's where we would find Taffy if she escaped was up the street. So, similarly, this this beagle or hound dog would run to the, the, the places. But then Robbie went to those places and they were like, we haven't seen your dog. So then the mystery is afoot. And then you find your dog, the the bad kid gets punished somehow of like, oh, rats, uh, I shouldn't steal a dog. Like, that's not how you maintain a relationship with a dog. It needs to be full of love and affection. And then 
the the main character dog and Robbie win the tracking competition and then uh they the the movie ends with like where'd he go and then the dog pops out of the trophy (laughs) in like a classic very cute ending shot of like oh no is it another mystery but it's just no he's just snoozing in the trophy the end what a charming what a (laughs) charming and wonderful movie join us next time to find out if that is actually what hounded is if you are enjoying this podcast, uh, tell your friends, write and review it, all that good stuff. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on Luck of the Irish. If you have seen it recently, uh, please tell us all your thoughts. There will be a post dedicated to this episode up at snarksquad.com slash decom. Or you can find us on Twitter at decom squad. I am at Sweeney Says. Uh, I am at Matthew Gatos and... You can also find me, I have a new podcast, another podcast on top of this one called Commitment, where uh, my friend Sam Schultz and I are watching everything that's ever existed that the Muppets have ever done in chronological order. <laughs> I don't have a new podcast, but you can find me at My Name is Muddiness. And I'm at C.E. Riley. This podcast is a Snark Squad production edited by me, transcribed by Mari, and our theme music is by Stefan Chin. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, because he's my favorite, uh, we have Tiffin, we have Tip, wow, we have, t- I can't say the word, Timothy. Timothy. <laughs> I kept saying Timothy. You got too overwhelmed with excitement about I'm this man. I'm too excited for Timothy. <laughs>